and welcome to the Big Apple School podcast, the weekly English show where we speak about everything under the sun. The major goal of this show is to help you improve your English by listening and, of course, learn something new. My name's Katja, I'm your host, and today with me is John from England. And? And Stephen, also from England. John, Stephen, can you please tell us something about yourself for our new listeners? Where exactly are you from and how long have you been living here in Siberia? Well, uh, if I may start, I have been in Siberia for about 15 years. Wow. I, I originated from Manchester and have lived in France for many years also, but I came here about, as I say, 15 years ago uh, to teach uh, in, and I've taught in Big Apple School for several years. Amazing, John. I've been uh, in Novosibirsk for um, just over a year now. I've been here a few times before that to come to try and learn your language. But um, to prolong the experience, I decided to stay for a bit and teach mine to you. Um, originally, I was born in, well, near London, but moved around the UK quite a lot. Hence, I don't have much of a regional accent. And at the moment, I live in the southwest of England in a county called Wiltshire. Amazing. Which, if I might add, is a very beautiful part of, uh, of Great Britain. Many beautiful villages and buildings. Well, we'll talk uh, in detail about this a little bit later. But right now, a reminder to our listeners. So please, remember, what we do, we do for you. So we try to be as useful for you as possible. And we would like to get some feedback about it. So subscribe to our pages on Apple, Yandex, Google, VK, any other platform. And let us know what you think about our show. Rate and review our podcasts. Give us stars. Leave some comments. Ask questions. Feel free to send your ideas about our next episodes. It won't take much time or effort, right? But it will help us a lot to be even better. So and now... Gentlemen, are you ready to talk about traveling? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes. So you, as far as I understand, you come from uh, different parts of England. So you are from Manchester, which is in the north of England, if I'm correct? Yes, it's certainly in the north of England, although I was not actually born in Manchester. That's a, a close city. I was born uh, further south, just in the Midlands, in a town called Mansfield, How many people are there? I mean, how many people live there? In Mansfield, about 25,000 people. It would be considered rather a small village in Russia. Mm -hmm. But in England, it's a rather a normal-sized industrial town. I thought there were more people lived in Mansfield than that. Well, you may be right. It may have had a baby boom since, <laughs> since I was there last. But it's, uh, it's, I would say it's about that, maybe a little more. So since we're talking about traveling in our countries versus traveling abroad, I can't but ask the main question. So have you traveled around England much? Yes. <laughs> a short answer. Um, quite a lot. I was born near London, uh, lived for a while in the southwest when I was about seven or eight, in Devon actually, then moved up to the northwest near Manchester and lived there for ooh, 20 years or so. Then went to university in Leicester and then moved around quite a bit because I was in the Navy, uh, but finally settled on Wiltshire, where I live now and have done for about 30 years. But apart from that, I have holidayed in all sorts of parts of the country. Um, I think the one part of the country I haven't been to is Northern Ireland. Oh, Would you well. like to change that? 
Maybe one day. <laughs> Stephen, what about you? Have you traveled much around England? Yes. Well, I think for the first 30 years of my life, I was rather living in a boring situation. I lived mainly uh, near to the place I was born. I uh, was at university in Sheffield, which isn't too far from Manchester and uh, Mansfield. I taught in uh, a village school in Derbyshire for 10 years. And then after that, I went down to London and taught for 10 years. Uh, but now, after that, I have travelled a lot in, in England and also very recently in, in, in Scotland. Oh, what do you think about it? Well, I've been very much taken with it, as we say in, in England. It uh, was a country I knew nothing about except what I'd read until I decided to visit it three years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very beautiful islands and highlands of Scotland and I intend to do a lot more traveling there. I've heard that the landscapes there are fantastic. But what about the language? Because I heard a lot about uh, Scottish accent being very difficult to understand. Well, the, the Scottish accent is... Um, there are several Scottish accents. There's basically the Edinburgh accent, which is the received pronunciation of of, uh, of Scotland. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's considered the purest English with the purest vowels in the British Isles. Uh, if you think of Miss Jean Brodie and uh, mm -hmm. uh, the films uh, made around that time... Uh, but the Highlands or the Heelanders uh, speak mainly uh, dialect, mm -hmm. which is very difficult to, to understand. And of course, if you go to Glasgow, nobody can understand them, them at all because they just speak uh, in a very strange way, as, as John would probably uh, know. Yes, I have <laughs> been there once, twice, uh, and... Uh, Stephen's right about the Highlanders, the Chuktas, as they are sometimes referred to. Some of them don't just speak a sort of uh, a peculiarly accented English. Some of them actually speak in a completely different language called Gaelic, which was mm -hmm. the original language of the, Sc the Scottish Highlands, not the Lowlands, because the Lowlanders always spoke English of a form. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something um, very difficult to comprehend to, well, you know, to Russian citizens, because we have one language. I mean, Russian is the same wherever you go, be that the Far East or the Western parts or the Siberia, Siberian parts and whatnot. So, and that is why, to me, this is something fascinating that, you know, there are so many um, accents and dialects in England, well, in Great Britain, and that you can even understand where a person is from by the accent. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. That's very true. And I remember when I was a boy, you could tell a, a rival gang from a village two or three miles away, say four kilometers, by the way they spoke. The, the, the accent changed uh, so much so in such a short distance. This is very... This is hard to believe. Okay, we drifted off <laughs> from the topic of traveling somehow. But So is it common um, in Great Britain to travel around the country or is it more common to go abroad? Well, since the advent of the coronavirus, lots of people aren't going abroad and they are holidaying back in the UK. And lots of people always have holidayed in the UK. I certainly did as a child, uh, usually in the southwest of England, Devon and Cornwall, that they're 
usually the target for a lot of people going on holiday. The A303 is the highway mm-hmm. to the sun, as it's called, which is the main arterial route from London to the southwest. Um, but also there are um, certain towns on the coast which have a, a history of being the destination for um, holiday makers back in the 30s. Um, well, yeah, 30s. Um for the first time, people were given a whole weekend off a week, a, a week plus they would have annual holidays and mm. they would all head for Blackpool and Skegness and where else, Stephen? Eastbourne, Brighton. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Russian people will know about Brighton because it's a place where many Russian students have uh, summer schools. Really? Yes. Yeah. No, I just I can just nod and you know <laughs> absorb all the information that you give. I'm afraid. So, and is it easy to travel around? I I, I would say it's quite easy uh, if you have a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, public transport in Britain, I don't know if John agrees, uh, is not as good as it used to be. No, it's not. It's trains are expensive, mm-hmm. inefficient, late. Late? Um, always late. Every time I get a train from where I live to London, it's always late. Um, yeah, I say expensive. And they're overcrowded. Uh, and also the railway network isn't that extensive anymore. Getting around by road is the way you have to do it. Unfortunately, the roads are very congested. If you try and go to the coast on a bank holiday, you're wasting your time. You'll spend most of your time sitting in your car rather than mm-hmm. actually reaching your destination. It sounds a lot like the U.S. because uh, in there, if you don't have a car, it's very difficult to uh, go to neighboring states or neighboring cities. And I remember uh, in September, we wanted to see the foliage because mm-hmm. I lived in New England, which is known for the foliage. We spent four hours in a car, mm-hmm. in a traffic jam. That was something I could not believe. I mean, how? How? So, and um, I am as surprised to hear about England right now because I would... I don't know what kind of, I don't know, association or stereotype or whatever I had in my head, but I would think of the railway railway as being very efficient, always on time. Oh, okay. I think this is a stereotype <laughs> uh, that of Britain before 1947, <laughs> yeah. when the railways were nationalised. Um, they became very, they were always efficient before the war, but after the war, they were mm-hmm. nationalised by British railways and were quite efficient for a time, and then they'd sort of just run out of money, mm. and everything became capitalist, so everything that didn't make any money was withdrawn, mm-hmm. like public transport for the villagers and um, that sort of thing. So basically, if you don't have a car and you live in rural England, for example, then you either spend a lot of money on the train or you just don't go anywhere. Well, you... It's not quite as bad as that. I mean, I live in a rural village. My wife doesn't drive um, anymore. And she she manages. You just have to plan ahead. But it does mm-hmm. take her... So she, she wants to visit her father in Bristol once a week. Bristol's 50 miles, like 65 kilometres away. Uh, by car, it takes an hour, an hour and a bit to get there. But she will use two, three buses, sometimes mm-hmm. a train as well, and to do the round trip in a day means she actually only spends two hours mm-hmm. with her father. The rest of the time, she's traveling. Oh. So that's that's the, the reality of it. That the, often the the transport's there, but it doesn't. It's not particularly well arranged. It doesn't connect mm-hmm. up. 
But of course, rural transport is always going to be like that because not many people use it. So, true, true. So she's often on a bus on her own. Oh, well, with the driver, presumably. <laughs> wow. I just um, comparing. I'm comparing it all to Russian mm-hmm. situation because we have. Well, to my mind, uh, quite a good system of public transport. We have a lot of trains, um, you know, those commuter trains, uh, buses and whatnot. So it's quite easy to get to places. Whereas if you want to travel to some further parts of Russia, then you have a choice of plane or train. Um, And the surprising thing is that train is sometimes more expensive or just as expensive as the plane, but it would take two or three days. Mm -hmm. So which is nonsense. And um, I know that a lot of people in Russia, they want to travel to some parts of Russia, like the Far East, like Kamchatka and Vladivostok, but it's just so expensive. It's uh, it's not many people can afford it. And I remember several years ago, um, my parents suggested me like going to see them uh, for New Year, but I realized that it was way cheaper for me to go to London for a week you know, and I had, what, four flights? Novosibirsk, Moscow, London, Moscow, Novosibirsk. And it was still way cheaper than going to see my parents in Sahara Republic, which is like four-hour um, plane, yeah, flight. But uh, transport in, in Britain is also very expensive for a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, especially trains. If you're wanting to go from London to Edinburgh, it's a very expensive journey unless you manage to get... Uh, cheap deal mm-hmm. which you sometimes can on uh, discount websites but it, it's a problem for, for people because they don't have the money um, in London of course it's it's is it's an exception um, mm-hmm. pensioners have free transport oh that's fantastic uh, all the time uh, all is that, day is that right Stephen that uh, um, bus passes for instance you can only use them um, after the sort of the rush hour in in Wiltshire, does it? Does I think it might vary from county to county. Is is um, the free public transport free all the time in London? Or as, far, it... as far as I understand it, from uh, for pensioners, it's free all the time, but not for people who buy discount tickets. Mm. You can get a discount ticket after mm. nine thirty a.m. a.m. That's when the rush hour's finished. That's when uh, yes. Kind of early, but yeah. All right. Do you think that is why um, a lot of people prefer to go abroad? Because I know that nowadays there are so many uh, low-cost airlines and you can get tickets from, let's say, uh, London to uh, Barcelona for, let's say, 20 euros. (laughs) (laughs) They're quite rare, those deals. They do happen, admittedly, but you have to be quite lucky in the right place at the right time to get one of those. But, yeah, the low-cost airlines have made uh, travelling to the Mediterranean very cheap, very quick. There are lots of regional airports. Um, But the main reason people go is the weather. Because Mm -hmm. if you have saved up your time and your money for your two weeks annual holiday and you head to Blackpool, why you would, I would can't imagine but if you did <laughs> i rather like blackpool <laughs> and you got there and you've got your and you spend all this money and it rains for a fortnight <gasps> you, know, you can't guarantee the weather so so many people think i'm not doing that again i will book a cheap flight to somewhere like costa del mar or somewhere and stay there for a fortnight it's, mm-hmm. it's also quite cheap once you're there so yes it's the weather that does it 
and they set up little places of little England in these uh, in these countries in Spain and uh, the south of France. Uh, Greece. Uh, they, they do. Why? Uh, well, because uh, for English people they don't want to go to Spain. Uh, uh, as John says, they want to go to the hot weather. So nothing would be worse than than having to speak Spanish or French or, or eat Spanish food or, or eat, anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> or be torn away from their favourite TV programmes. I have actually oh, seen in a place called Fuengarola a couple of bars and cafes selling um, fish and chips, steak kidney pie and advertising that all the British beers were on sale, plus that they would show all the regular soap operas that are on back in Britain on the TV. So why bother going abroad in the first place, I ask myself. So basically a lot of people want to be in Britain, but with good weather. Yes. <laughs> it's true. I remember when my grandmother and grandfather used to go to Spain in the, in the 60s, and they sometimes used to take me. It was completely different. You had to speak Spanish. You had to, uh, you actually w went to Spain. You didn't go to little England in Spain. Uh, and it was very unusual to to, uh, to go abroad. Wow. Wow. So you have traveled quite a lot around England or the UK. So what is your favorite place? What is the place that you want to come back to? I, <laughs> oh, guys, I wish you could see John's face right now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Well, maybe while he's thinking, I'll I'll say that the, the mountains of Scotland, the, the, the hills of Derbyshire, the rolling uh, south downs of uh, Sussex and Surrey, uh, because England uh, is such a varied country. You could go anywhere in the world and you would not see such a variety of, of, of uh, scenery. I rather like where I live, actually, Wiltshire, or the next counties, Dorset and um, Devon and Somerset. I think they're, they're quite do for me. <laughs> but again, I like certain cities are worth visiting, like Oxford or York or um, Salisbury even. Um, there are certain places I would avoid, I must say. Like uh, what? I don't really like big cities much. I mean, yeah, London's interesting. Once you've seen the sights, get out. Um, <laughs> Birmingham, I just go through it on a train. And Liverpool and Manchester, give it a miss. Why? Just because they are big cities. So you don't like the hustle and bustle of Not a big particularly city? particularly. And, and the things that I've seen, so I don't want to see them again particularly, um, it's all the hassle of parking your car and the hotels are expensive mm -hmm. and the pollution and all the rest of it. So, no. The best holidays I've had in England have been on the canals. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, I would agree with that, actually. I, I went on canals with my family when I was a, a small boy. And there are a very, there is now a very good network of uh, holiday canals where you can hire a long boat. Uh, narrow boat, Stephen. Long boats are what the Vikings arrived in. Well, <laughs> I could probably hire a long boat then. <laughs> a bit too wide. So, Stephen, uh, is there any place you would advise to avoid? Well, I wouldn't like some parts of London. I agree with, with, with John. I think it, London is quite a dangerous place in uh, in some respects. I, a dangerous? I feel much safer walking around in Novosibirsk. 
at night uh, than uh, than in London or Paris. Um, Yeah, a lot of big cities in Britain, I feel much safer in Nova Sibirsk than Manchester, Liverpool, Glasgow. Mm -hmm. I'd even walk in Rich Neuvogzal in preference to uh, um, parts of London at at night. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I was just a stupid tourist when I was in London, but it's, for some reason I felt safer there than I do in Novosibirsk. Mm. That's interesting. I, well, I mean, of course, I didn't, you know, go to uh, the places where I was told not to go. So I mainly, um, I was mainly sticking to the northern part where uh, my student residence was. So, was and I, um, Highgate. Oh yes, Highgate, a very classy place. So I was told that it's um, a very safe neighborhood. So and. Um, for some time, I lived in, um, I don't think if it's the south-south, but it's Elephant and Castle Station. Oh, oh the Elephant the and Castle. The... Uh, that uh, was a notorious uh, place <laughs> years ago. The policemen used to go around in pairs around the <gasps> Elephant and Castle. What? Mm-hmm. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I don't know. It was relatively safe. So I didn't have any problems or trouble or something like that. But, yeah. All right, so do you think, um, no, why do you think so many people these days prefer to travel abroad rather than traveling in their own countries? Because there is a tendency that people, like, genuinely prefer to travel abroad. I I think now, um, over the past 10 or 20 years, because foreign travelers become, I suppose, cheaper for for, uh, British people, they've wanted to go abroad not only the type that go to Spain and mm-hmm. for the little England experience, but a lot of pe- people genuinely have wanted to travel to see different countries. Uh, maybe go to the colonies, to Australia, to, <laughs> to, to the, uh, the, the, the Dominions and Canada. Um, usually it's English-speaking countries, I think, mm-hmm. are quite popular. French-speaking countries tend to be avoided by the English because a lot of English people don't speak French anymore. Says the person who has lived in France for quite a while. Yes, <laughs> um, yes but I mean, I learned French at school and we had to learn French at school, but now it's not compulsory. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, very few people learn it. I don't know if John agrees. He... Well, foreign language teaching has declined in Britain of all languages. Mm-hmm. I think Spanish is more popular than French now simply because um, more people go to Spain, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, and more people speak Spanish in the world than French. Um, and it is an easier language to learn Spanish. Oh, I agree. I agree. So do I get it correctly then that um, the most popular tourist destinations for people from Britain are Spain... Greece. Greece? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Italy? Uh, no, France. Italy a bit, yeah, France. Used to be places like Tunisia and Egypt were quite popular. Mm-hmm. Used to be. Uh, and Florida. Florida? Mm. Wait, this, what? Why? Oh, this yes. is so far away. Yeah, but if you've got two weeks off, pack every, all the kids onto the um, plane and go and see Disney. So something like there is two, Disney in Paris. Yes, but... It's Which is closer. It's not the same. <laughs> no, seriously, it used to be something like two million people a year used to go to Florida from Britain. I didn't know that. Wow. I mean, I... I wow. Because I think... Um, wait, it's going to be about 10-hour flight? Eight. Eight. Mm-hmm. 
you know, not that much better, but mm-hmm. eight hour flight, um, the heat, the humidity. Oh, they love it. <laughs> yes, and British people seem to want to sit in the sun oh, all, yes. the t- t- all the time, like mad dogs and Englishmen, Do if I you remember the. Sun. You know, um, so there is this, uh, I don't know, situation, a rule, call it whatever you want, but a lot of Russians, especially from the eastern part, from the northern part, so from those parts where there is not much sunshine and there are, you know, nine months of winter, when they go to some countries like uh, Thailand or um, any other place that has the sun, basically, even though people know that they should, you know, avoid the sun at, you know, midday or 1 p.m., they know that they should put sunscreen on. They never do that. So, you can easily spot a Russian from the northern part uh, of Russia or from the eastern part because they get a sunburn, with, you know, on the first day of their holiday. Everyone does this. Everyone makes this mistake. Do English people have the same situation? Absolutely. Situ- <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. You see the, the lobsters lying by the swimming pool. Yeah. Um, we've arrived. They've usually drank a lot of beer and fallen asleep in the sun and then they spend the rest oh, of the holiday painful. in pain. Oh, and they often give a, a wrong impression of English people when they go abroad like this. They're, they're the worst kind of behaviour, I think. Uh, I think native uh, French people get this impression. And oh, that's Spanish people as well, because they're, the English are always drunk, whereas French are never drunk. Um, uh, they only drink at, at lunchtime. You know, that sounds exactly... The French lunch usually lasts about six or seven hours. That's the thing. (laughs) That's true, especially on Wednesdays. Why Wednesdays? Wednesdays. Because it's a half day. Ah. The schools don't uh, uh, function on Wednesdays. uh, And so it's a day where everybody goes to the family and... Have lunch for six hours. Lunch for six hours. So you know this um, impression of... um, British people sounds exactly like the impression of Russian tourists in some countries. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I know that um, in a lot of places like uh, Thailand, Cyprus, Egypt, um, they have this uh, stereotype that Russian tourists usually need nothing but, you know, to drink, to have the all-you-can-eat buffets and basically not going to see the sites but just lying on a beach or sounds by the pool. just like a lot of British package <laughs> tourists. Yep. Well, those are quite widespread in Russia, the, the, the package tourism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. So, and do you think it's important to travel abroad? So, should we do that or should we stick to our own our own countries? So, what's your attitude? Depend what perspective you're looking at it from. If you're from the perspective of the environmentalist, you should stay at home. <laughs> but if you're looking at it from the perspective of broadening your mind and mm-hmm. experiencing different cultures, then you should travel. I agree, but I think there are very good ways of traveling. Uh, for example, I always prefer to travel by train, mm-hmm. um, if possible. And I have also like traveling by ship. Mm-hmm. I've crossed the Atlantic twice on a cargo ship. How long ship. Did, it, did it take? Um, for five days uh, from, uh, from England, from Liverpool to Montreal. I would expect it to be way longer. Five days. And that's quite a slow journey because they, they, they go to, um, to to France to pick up cargo and then it's, well, I think it's five nights reasonable. after that. And they put the clock back one hour every night, so it's very comfortable. <gasps> uh, oh, 
it doesn't sound like that long. I thought it would take um, around two weeks, maybe. Oh, don't forget the ship's moving 24 hours a day, isn't it? Fair enough. I just don't know much uh, about traveling by ship, mm -hmm. just because I've never experienced that. I would also be terrified of that. <laughs> well, because oh. I'm a little bit afraid of the ocean. Like You've you can watched imagine, Titanic yeah. too often. <laughs> But think about it. You have no land. You can't swim to places, you know, if there is a crash or something like that. No, there are lifeboats. Still, I don't trust the, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't trust the ocean. When I was going from, um, to, 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 from one part of Florida, from Naples to, um, what's it called? The southern, the southernmost part of um, the Keys. US. Uh, Key West. It is. So uh, it was a boat trip, uh, ship. Well, so we went by ship. So, and still, I was feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> wow, but five days. Amazing. Because I remember a trip my parents and I took from Yukutia to Novosibirsk by car, and that was five days. So, three out of 10. That would be hell. Five days in a car. <clears throat> well, you can also imagine 1,000 kilometers being um, without actually a road. So that was just stones and stones and stones. So, yeah, after 400 kilometers, one of our tires just got torn. So, yeah, that part was not really fun. But you get to see a lot of uh, landscapes, different ones. Mm -hmm. But still, very difficult too. If you don't um, stay in different motels but sleep in a car, yeah, that was difficult. But yes, uh, I do think it's Was important. that a holiday? Well, I mean, both of my parents got vacation for a month. So, so for a holiday, you decided to just travel on a dirt road for two weeks and sleep in a car. That was several <laughs> times cheaper than taking a plane. Oh, I'm sure so. it was, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking back to your original question. Uh, is, it, uh, is it very important to travel? I would say so. Uh, to try to discover new experiences, mm -hmm. uh, new cultures. Because, for example, if I'd never come to Russia, I wouldn't have known all about Russian people. Uh, I wouldn't have known anything about Russian culture, just That's what we true. were told at, at school, that everybody uh, wore shapka ushanka and, <laughs> uh, uh, and carried a bear in the... Uh, the arm. And played balalaika, yes. something like that. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think that people should travel to different countries just to, you know, get rid of the stereotypes in our heads and to broaden the horizons and whatnot. So I think that's important. Um, three years ago, I went to the US for the first time as um, part of an exchange program, Fulbright. So I was a cultural ambassador so I was supposed to uh, tell my students in the U.S. about Russian culture so they would, you know, get rid of the stereotypes they had about Russia. So, and that was fantastic. A lot of things were surprising to them. So, yeah. Um, actually, speaking of the um, U.S., so um, whereas there is a tendency in the world to travel more abroad rather than in your own country, the U.S., has the exact opposite situation. That's they do true. not travel abroad. They don't even have passports because they need... They 40% don't need. of them don't have passports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they just have their driver's license or mm -hmm. just their ID enough for traveling around mm -hmm. the US, but they don't even have passports. So why do you think it's that? I think for starters, I think to some extent, the Americans are quite in, inward-looking. Uh, if you stay in an American hotel... Uh, in the mornings, you'll have uh, a newspaper shoved under your door called America Today. 
right? And you can open this paper up and it has some news, which will all be about America, and then it will mm -hmm. have the football and the other sport and the TV, and there'll be nothing whatsoever in it about any other country at all. That gives you an example how uh, perhaps inward-looking they are. They're TV news programmes focused entirely on domestic things. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of them don't see the need. And after all, they have a continent to themselves with good road network, good rail network, uh, extensive internal flights that are cheap, so you can mm -hmm. go to any sort of climatic region, see lots of different things without ever stepping outside of your own country. And outside of their own country, they think they're going to be murders because there's terrorists waiting around every corner trying to kill them. Um, and I'm afraid the American news media reinforces that all the mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. They have this travel advisory. Mm -hmm. It's true. And uh, I would go even further than John and say that not only do they not travel outside their own country, many Americans don't even travel outside their own state. But why? I mean, okay, if we understand now the reason why they don't travel abroad, but why not travel to other states? Well, they're still fighting in some ways the civil war in America that uh, prevents them going to certain parts of uh, uh, America. I found that when I visited, they, uh, mm -hmm. some of my friends wouldn't go into certain states. Interesting, because I was, um, I remember being shocked and surprised when I asked uh, the Americans, like, how many states have you been to? What places did you like? Did you not like? They said, oh, I visited, let's say, my state and the states around. So, and then they asked me and I said, oh, I've been to 17 states so far, but I definitely don't want to stop. I want to travel to more states, maybe even all of them, just to see what they're like. And for me, that was a little bit surprising because, as you said, there, well, a lot of them would just stay in their own states. And they still use, I mean, not so much now, but they still use the term abroad in America to mean going outside your own no. District. Yes, really? uh, the original no. uh, English um, mm. term, I'm going abroad. It means you're just going out. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you sometimes hear, oh, you were abroad early this morning. Yeah, they do, actually, come to think I, of it. Wow. Um, I remember being surprised uh, that they don't travel abroad, even though they don't need to have a visa. So I was telling them, you have such an opportunity, such a treasure, basically, as your American passport when you don't need a visa. Because for Russians, for example, we want to go to any, basically any country except for doo -doo -doo, um, China, Thailand, India, maybe Vietnam. But to go to any other place, we need to go through this hell of a bureaucracy to get a visa. Ugh. So. Oh, well. I know about that because getting one to get into Russia is pretty difficult. Is it? Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't say it's difficult. Uh, there's a lot of paperwork, but it's uh, it's not all that difficult, I think. Uh, maybe at the moment it's difficult to get a tourist visa. I, I don't think you can get tourist visas to Russia at the moment. and you cannot... I don't think you can get a tourist visa to anywhere at the moment, I'm afraid. And I don't think you can get a visa from France to um, to, to Russia. Because I had to re return through mm. England, not through France. Well, I mean, this is not the best time right in the world right now to travel anyway. So, yeah. All right. So, and have you traveled much in Russia? Yes. <gasps> well, probably not as much as Stephen, because he's been here longer than me. But um, 
Well, I've been to not so many different places. When I first came 15 years ago, I spent some time in Tomsk. Oh, why Tomsk? Because I was working in the university there, and I found it a very interesting place and very uh, friendly. People were very friendly there. This I still is exactly in, in, the way I would describe it. Still in touch with many people from that town. Mm -hmm. um, I've not been further than Krasnyarsk. Mm -hmm. I would much. I would like to go to Vladivostok, and uh, of course, I've been to Moscow and uh, the normal places along the Trans-Siberian <laughs> route. So, what was the place that uh, maybe surprised you most out of those places that you visited? I think it was originally it was Tomsk because it was such a um, I thought it was a rather romantic and beautiful town um, and and so friendly uh, mm -hmm. because 15 years ago in Moscow it was a very strange situation Moscow was not so friendly I think mm -hmm. in those days after the fall of the Soviet Union mm -hmm. uh, and um, there were many problems but Tomsk seemed to be uh, well, a bit crazy <laughs> and interesting. <laughs> and was there any place that you didn't quite like? You mean in Russia? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't like Moscow when I first went. I thought it was very dirty and uh, with people mm -hmm. on the streets and uh, a lot of corruption. But now it's much, much better. You can walk in the streets without any problems. Mm -hmm. Even people that don't know any any uh, Russian would uh, manage well in Moscow, I think. Mm -hmm. Because I understand from a friend in Moscow that the police had special training for the, um, um, what did they call it? The World Cup, yes. <clears throat> uh, to be very polite and um, uh, to, to, to English and foreign visitors. I've been hugged by a Russian policeman. In what? Yeah. He was very friendly. He was hugging me. I was his best friend. He was drunk, I must say, but he, <laughs> oh <laughs> he could smell goodness. the alcohol in his breath. <laughs> he was in uniform and he was armed, but he was drunk. Oh, my goodness. Wow, what an impression you must have had. <laughs> wow. So, John, what places have you been to in Russia? Well, apart from St. Petersburg and Moscow, uh, I took a slow journey home from here um, about a year and a half ago. I went to Ekaterinburg, uh, Samara, Kazan, Nizhny Novgorod, Moscow, mm -hmm. and St. Petersburg. Going home that way. What did you like most? Oh, I think Kazan's rather beautiful. I love this place. Mm -hmm. I love this place. Stephen, have you ever been? I've been on the platform at Kazan uh, Vauxhall <laughs> uh, not too, well, was it a month ago when I came by train? Uh, but I was told by the uh, Provotnik, who was from Kazan, that I must uh, make a stop there sometime. Yeah, you ought to. You must. You must. It's a beautiful place and very <clears throat> friendly too. But yeah, it's just so beautiful. I remember being there uh, several years ago and I just didn't want to um, go anywhere else. And at some, at some point I even thought about moving there, but I never did. They say it's much cheaper to live in, uh, in those parts than uh, over CBS. Um, maybe, maybe the rent is a little bit lower, but in general, it's around the same. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and um, 
I would like I would like to talk a little bit more about places you recommend visiting in England, well in Britain. And um the way I'm, we're going to do this is I have done my research and looked up the list of top 10 places uh like top 10 tourist destinations in the UK by the tele- by by Telegraph. So I'm going to tell you the place and you will tell me whether you would recommend going there or not. And we'll start with the obvious. London. Well, it's a place everybody needs to go to, I think, but I would tell people as soon as they've been to London to get out and see other places <laughs> as quickly as possible. You wouldn't like uh... I heartily agree with Stephen's sentiments. Yes, go and see the sights, go and see the things you need to see. There's lots to see. It's been I a feel embarrassed week, right, week, right but, now. But uh, if you could avoid staying there, you can't obviously. I would because the hotels are so expensive. Mhm. I feel so embarrassed right now because I have been there three times mm-hmm. and I have never been anywhere else in in the UK. I don't know, there's just something I don't know, something. Well, it's like uh, Paris is not France and London is not Fair enough. Uh, like Moscow is not Russia, any capital is not, you know, the country itself. All right, so number 2 would be Edinburgh. Definitely, I would go to Edinburgh. Why? because of the culture and the language uh, you'd have no un- no difficulty understanding the language mm-hmm. as we spoke about before and it's such an old city there are very interesting sites a very small city i don't mm-hmm. think it's even half a million people mm-hmm. um but from edinburgh you could hire a car and drive out to the islands of scotland uh, and to the islands very easily So it's not really a place where you would spend let's say a whole week. In. Probably not. No. No, there are there are the Edinburgh Castle and some old buildings and shops, but I think if if you were to stay there, you'd want to go out and see Loch Ness mm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and It's quite uh, a drive, you know, from Edinburgh to Loch Ness. Not for <laughs> Russian people. Russian no, no, people. True, true. <laughs> so what is quite a house. drive in your opinion? Well, it's probably take you most of a good five or six hours to get from Edinburgh to Inverness, would you think? Well, probably more than that. Six hours. Something think. like that because okay. the roads are not very not, uh, no. And They're of course sometimes narrow. you have to go down a loch about 40 miles and come around back again because there are no bridges mm. to cross. Oh. Oh. I have actually done that journey once by car and to sail up and down Loch Ness, which is definitely worth doing but you never guarantee that the weather's a lot worse in Scotland than England mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you could go up there in the middle of summer and think oh lovely I'll get a boat and cruise up and down Loch Ness and spend a whole week being soaked Aww. and in cold you know really cold weather you could do quite easily it's very changeable weather because it comes off off the atlantic and uh... mm-hmm. so my number th- well not mine by telegraphs number three is bath <laughs> yes that It's the nearest city to me and I can get there in 40 minutes by bus mm-hmm. and it's definitely worth a visit um can get a bit crowded in the summer with tourists worth a good yeah it's two days worth of sightseeing in bath mm-hmm. quite easily so what what is it famous for baths <laughs> roman room. baths yeah no there was it's it's there's a natural spring there and the rome is a roman city aquasullis it was they called it um 
aqua being water, mm-hmm. and they turned the natural hot springs into some baths, which you can still use. No. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. And Sulis, I think, is a, is the is the god of the of the waters, if okay. I'm not mistaken. But the water is terrible to, to drink. Oh, but don't they, drink it. No. But they do drink it. They say it's very good for one. Just, you know, a little bit off the topic, but um, is tap water in Britain drinkable? Very much so. The tap water that comes out of the taps in my house is very good for you. It's Mm -hmm. full of um, calcium, Mm. so it's very good for your bones, but it's terrible for your washing machine. And the kettle. And the kettle. And the central heating system. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, Number four, Stonehenge. Yes, also near me. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a bit of, a bit fake uh, if if, uh, if you look into it. Uh, 150, 200 years ago, all all the stones that are now set up in beautiful uh, circle were just lying flat on the ground, and it's been it's oh, been uh, beautified. So they've been Is that true? I never yeah. heard that that they were. I thought it was always very been much like it is. Well, we'll have to look that up, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I believe so. No, I think I think you've been reading one too many conspiracy theories. Stephen. <laughs> they haven't been moved around. People used to take bits of them away as uh, souvenirs, and that was a stop was put to that about two hundred years ago. Unfortunately, you used to be able to drive right past it. You could mm-hmm. just see it from the road, so it was free. Now they've altered the roads so that you can't do that. You can't get. And you within, have to pay. You have to pay, and it costs quite a lot of money. Oh. Um, so, so I think that's a bit. There isn't really all that much to see here. Yeah. If, if so you, don't you think it's a little bit overrated yes, for the price? I do. Pro- yeah, for twenty pounds it is. <laughs> if there's a family of you, you know, it's a hundred <laughs> quid, say. <laughs> Park your car and then go and look at some old stones. Whereas you could go to Avebury and wander amongst those for nothing. Mm. Fantastic. Is, Whoever's travelling to England, please take a note of that. So number five is Windsor. Uh, Windsor. Yes, uh, I spent a lot of time uh, teaching near Windsor. Uh, Windsor is famous, of course, for Windsor Castle, mm-hmm. the Queen's uh, main residence. Uh, at the moment, the place she spent most of the war. The oldest inhabited castle in the world. That's right, yes. So it's still inhabited? Oh, yeah, when she's in. Yes, it's a, it's it's a complete uninhabited. It's, it's not broken or... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and the town is really the surrounding area around the castle, really. And of Windsor course, Great Park, you mean, yeah. There's Windsor Great Park and then Eton College, the boys' school just mm-hmm, over the river. Mm-hmm. That's famous for so that. Is it is it more like a place for, um, let's say, um, getaway trip for the weekend? Or, yeah. So yeah, it's not so. like a place, again, you would spend... Well, actually, you could do it while you were staying in London, mm-hmm. if you got to. You could take a train <laughs> mm-hmm. from Paddington Station to, uh, to Windsor and Eton... Riverside and uh, spend a you could spend an, an afternoon there. That would right? take twenty minutes, won't it? That train? Oh, just uh, Slough? Minutes. No, it'd be more from Paddington to Slough and then Slough to Windsor. Okay, well, it's not that long anyway <clears throat> for us Russians, mm-hmm. especially. So number six is oh, I hope I read it correctly: Cotswolds and the Lake District. 
Yeah, you can't do them both at the same time because they're geographically separated in... oh, by okay. about a hundred miles. <laughs> oh, really? They were in one in one mm. line in the article, right? Well, the Cotswolds is in the sort of south and west, well, the west part of the southern half of the country, whereas the Lake District is in the northwest, which is about north of Manchester. I've been lied to, <laughs> but both are very much worth seeing. The Cotswold can get a little bit, or both can get very crowded. At peak mm-hmm. tourist season, as can most tourist attractions. Well, that's yeah. why it was top ten tourist yeah. destinations. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty. Well, the uh, the article said, um, pristine countryside, one of the most photographed corners. Travelers flock here to experience a true taste of rural English life. Well, it sounds a little uh, romanticized, but uh, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, it's true in a way, but uh, I would say the Cotswolds, not the Cotswolds, the Lake District is not as generally beautiful as the Peak District of Derbyshire, which mm-hmm. is below it. So, and um, what is the best season to go there? So, is it only summer? Is it worth visiting in um, in the fall, in the spring? You can go any time of year, really. Um, Churchill say there's very few... Um, days of weather in Britain when you can't do something outside. Mm-hmm. So you can you can go to certainly the Cotswolds any time of the year or so. Mm-hmm. The Lake District, probably best avoid winter because if there's lots of rain and low cloud, you won't see anything. You'll just be fog. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I would expect there to be wind, very strong Yeah, and wind. windy, yes. Mm-hmm. I would say early December would be a good time to go to some parts of England because of yeah. the Christmas uh, oh. celebrations and festivities which I think would interest mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, the fairs and the uh, and the uh, traditions of, of Christmas mm-hmm. Sounds fantastic So number seven would be York which you have mentioned Yes, I would definitely go to York The only problem is I try and avoid weekends Unfortunately, Because of the tourists? No because it's become a mecca for stag and hen weekends. There's a sort of a growing trend now for people who are about to get married to have, instead of a stag night, to have a stag weekend. This is when the groom and his friends go out and get drunk. Why York? Well, it's one of the places they've targeted. York, uh, Newcastle, Amsterdam, uh, the three capitals of the Baltic states, Prague... Barcelona, York's one of the popular ones for people doing that in England and they come for the entire weekend. And you have groups of young men dressed up in suits, staggering Mm -hmm. around on a Saturday afternoon and groups of women, because it's the hen (laughs) part as well, quite often one of them wearing a wedding dress, Mm -hmm. staggering around drunk on a Saturday afternoon. I have never seen so many police in an English city as I saw when I was in York last time at a weekend to oh. keep order for when things get out of hand later. So avoid the weekends. But I would say about York, if you're interested in historical um, architecture and, and, and buildings, that, that York is as London was before the Great Fire of London mm-hmm. in 1666. Six. Six. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Because, because it was... Um, London was burnt and then it was bombed in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. But there were such beautiful buildings in, in York, medieval buildings. It's, and the walls of York are 
I wouldn't say exactly complete, but they are they are very original. Roman walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Wow. So yeah, but that was very you know surprising and unexpected to hear about the. Um, yeah, during the weekdays. It's a lovely place to see, lots of things to see, but go during the week. Okay. The next one is um, Liverpool and Manchester. So they were uh, in one line, so they were mentioned They together. are quite close together, aren't they? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. About 30 miles, I yeah, think. Yeah. Well, but I East would... Lanks Road links them. But as John has already uh, warned people against going to Liverpool and Manchester, <laughs> I might just say that as it is more or less my home town, not Liverpool so much. Um, I think Manchester is a very interesting place. It, mm-hmm. it used to be a ver- the, the centre of the culture of the north um, and the northern culture, um, working class culture, was very important. It's been lost a lot now, but there were there are some very interesting concert halls and it's an industrial town uh, and it's not, a, it, it's not without its interest. Mm-hmm. So how much time would you advise spending there? Well, I'd go and uh, spend a day in the city mm-hmm. and then um, hire a car and, and go out and see the surrounding areas. You could even mm-hmm. drive to Liverpool if you were so minded. <laughs> All right. And the last place on my list is Cardiff. I would avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> my sister lives in Cardiff. She seems to quite like it. They claim to be the capital of Wales, but it's only been the capital for about 40 years, I believe. Uh, uh, the, the Welsh seem to have a, an idea that they're a separate country, but it's uh, it's some sort of... Uh, I heard I heard that the the bridge that connects England and Wales is not a free one, so you have to correct. pay. that's true. And yes. that the, there have been a lot of arguments about that and people being very unhappy about it. I think they discontinued the charge some months ago, didn't they? I'm not sure about that. I don't know. There's two bridges now, aren't there? Oh, well, I don't know. But I drove uh, to uh, Northern Ireland, not drove to Northern Ireland, but drove through Wales to the ferry port Mm -hmm. uh, and had to cross that bridge. And I can't remember paying. You used to, the the old, the, the, the original bridge was built in the 60s. You used to have to pay to... Uh, which way? You only paid in one direction. I think you had to pay to get into Wales, but it's free to get out, which obviously a lot of English people used to resent. Mm-hmm. Why should I pay to go in there? <laughs> you can drive round, but it's a, a it's long forever. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that was that's the top ten, is it? I mean, it's it seemed very. But what is there in Cardiff? I don't uh, even there's know. Not, there's not much, actually. I think. I think. I think maybe. Maybe uh, Cardiff was was put there just so there would be all the parts of oh. the UK. Northern Ireland has been represented, like the Giant's Causeway, for instance. And Belfast is is very uh, interesting city. You must travel to Belfast. Go and oh, see the place about... where the Titanic was built. The dry dock's still there. Really? Part of the Wolf Shipyard is still there. Yeah. And the museum is built in the shape of the hull of the um, of the Titanic. Um, wow. So this is something that was not on the list mm-hmm. by Telegraph. And Dartmoor and Exmoor and Portsmouth is an interesting place. So you go and see the historic ships mm-hmm. to around the Victory, the Mary Rose, the Warrior and... Oh, I can't remember what the other one's called. Um, Newcastle's interesting. Where else, Stephen? Uh, well, I'd certainly agree with you uh, about um, 
Portsmouth and 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 the south. There's a lot in along the south coast. Uh, there's a lot of interest, um, like uh, Exeter in Devon, which of course Devon was used to be a separate country until um, well, usual countryside in Devon. Yeah, you see, the Cotswolds. Why go to the Cotswolds? You could go to any county really <laughs> and find rural England, pretty much, apart from perhaps. South Lancashire, which is just one big urban sprawl between Manchester and Liverpool mm-hmm. and South Yorkshire, which is the same. Um, many of the counties have their pretty cottages, pretty villages, don't they? Yeah, and especially I think Derbyshire has a very wide variety. It has the Peak District, mountains, lakes. It has rolling countryside. It has market towns. I think to visit an English market town is a very... Mm-hmm. I live in Devizes. We've got two castles. We're a market town. We've got 29 locks, Kennet Avon Canal, a brewery. There's enough to do there for a day. <laughs> so I would um, I would call this podcast kind of a travel advisory to <laughs> England, a guide to mm-hmm. England. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. Thank you so much for telling me and the listeners uh, about England and traveling in England. All right, so that was the Big Apple School podcast. And today we discussed traveling in our own countries and traveling abroad. Well, we mostly talked about uh, traveling in England because this is something a lot of people do not know. We tend to think that it's only London and maybe Edinburgh worth visiting, but there's so much more to that. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you struggle to understand our conversation, you're always welcome to our website, which is bigappleschool.com slash podcast. You can find full scripts of each episode and you can read them while listening. Also, if you want to get more content, which will help you learn English, you can follow us on social media, such as Instagram, VK, YouTube, Telegram, and so on by searching our name, which is, again, Big Apple School. So that was Katya, and my guests for today were... John. And... And Stephen. Stay tuned, and we'll see you around.